Welcome back to the Battery with Cap and Pat. Hey guys, welcome back in for the sixth episode. As always, we appreciate you stopping by. If you haven't already, make sure you check out our Instagram at the battery underscore podcast. Any questions you might have that want to get on the show, make sure to DM Mike on that Instagram page and or comment. Both of them work. Tonight, we're going to kind of go into what happened on Monday night between Alabama and Ohio State. And from there, we'll go into the divisional round matchups, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but I'm going to bring in Pat here, and we're, and we're going to start with the College Football National Championship between Alabama and Ohio State. Kind of is what we saw even going into the playoff with the four teams that had started. Nobody was going to beat Alabama, and that was prevalent in what happened on Monday night. And the talent that Alabama has just outmatches any college, really, in any football team that played this season. And, I mean, you had talent all over the place, right? I mean, at Clemson, you obviously had guys like Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. At somewhere like Ohio State, you have Sermon, Olave, Justin Fields, Ian Book at Notre Dame, if, if you want to point out a bright side for them. But in the end, the Alabama Crimson Tide are the Alabama Crimson Tide. And when you got guys like Mac Jones – Najee and Devontae Smith playing the way they were, nobody was going to beat that team. Nobody. Those three guys were going to have to not show up for anybody to have a chance. And I mean, Justin Fields had an okay night. He looked uncomfortable for the most part. And I still think in that semifinal game against Clemson, James Skalski still rocked him. And I think that played slight of a little bit of an effect in that game. And I think, I think you can see it pretty clearly. There were still parts in the game where Justin Fields was kind of maybe letting go of the ball a little bit too early to avoid a hit or kind of rushing out of the pocket, avoiding maybe even his check downs, just so he could eliminate the factor of getting hit. And obviously a big part of that game was Sermon getting taken out on his, the first play. That, did, that definitely didn't help. Ohio State by any means. Now they had that had they had Teague come in, who I was a very suitable backup. Really wasn't able to do much in the second half after that second quarter when Alabama was able to score 28 points. So they had to rely on Justin Fields to throw the ball, and it's just it didn't work out great. Now, again, going back to Alabama side. The Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, has 12 receptions, 215 yards, and three touchdowns, and played a half of football. That right there is starting to make a lot of NFL teams wonder, okay, well, with somebody like Deshaun Watson out there, do we really need to draft somebody like a – well, not Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence should be the number one pick, but we'll go into that here in a, a few minutes. Do we need to draft somebody like like a, like a Justin Fields or a Kyle Trask? Does that really need to happen? Because somebody like Devontae Smith, you draft Devontae Smith, all of a sudden, you, maybe somebody like Sam Darnold has a better better year. It opens up options for those type of guys. I mean, look at Josh Allen. I'm not saying Josh Allen was, is as bad as Sam Darnold. Do not get me wrong there. But look what Josh Allen, they were able to develop pieces around him and give him somebody like Stefan Diggs. Look how different that team is this year. So, Pat, in this game, 
I know we look at the stars like Najee and you look at the stars like Devontae Smith and, and Sermon and, and, and Justin Fields. Was there really any shock to you that the game ended out the way it was? And why was, I mean, Alabama was in Ohio State were really close. The first quarter looked like it was going to be a good game throughout. What happened in that second quarter that Alabama just clicked? Yeah, I know you have Devontae Smith, and when you throw the ball to Devontae Smith 12 times in a quarter, things are going to go well for you. But why wasn't Ohio State able to just stay with the, the program? And as soon as that, like, they got down, they looked like they had no chance in coming back. What happened there? Well, yeah, man, uh, I totally agree with you. You know, after that first quarter, I think we everybody was pretty much thinking like, okay, maybe Ohio State's here to play today, and you know, maybe they're going to do what they did against Clemson. Uh, you know, going into the second quarter, you got a fourteen fourteen or seven seven game, fourteen points scored. You know, and you're, you're sitting there like, okay, maybe not, <clears throat> maybe not as many points in the first quarter as we'd like to see. You know, from these high powered offenses, but uh, the second quarter really uh, picked up where they left off, honestly. Uh, you know, you had Alabama pretty much score the minute, you know, 10 seconds into the second quarter. And then Ohio State answered right back. And now now we're all sitting here like, okay, here we go. Now they're going to take off. They're going to start scoring. It's going to be back and forth all game. You know, and then Alabama just kind of does their thing, man. They just – they stop. You know, they hold OSU to a field goal. And then, you know, OSU is forced to punt on two consecutive drives. And Alabama scores two touchdowns in the final four minutes of the second or the first half. And now instead of going into the half, you know, being down, <clears throat> being down, you know, 21 to 17, now you're going into the half down 35 to 17. And you're kind of sitting there like, wow, this game just kind of just busted wide open, honestly. And, you know, you go into the third quarter. You know, Alabama gets the ball to start the second half. They have a long drive to start the second half. And, you know, OSU comes up with a big stop and holds under a field goal. And that makes it, you know, it keeps it a three-possession game. And then, you know, you see the Ohio State throw the touchdown. I'm pretty sure it was a quick strike right after Alabama scored. And you're like, okay, maybe, you know, if Ohio State can get another stop, you know, maybe they can put, put this game, you know, make it a little better, make it a little closer. And then Alabama just said, you know what, hold my beer. We're going to show you what's up, and we're going to go score some points. You know, they score in the third again. They score in the fourth. And then Ohio State gets the garbage time TD. You know, man, it was just a – I think it was kind of what we were all expecting, the Alabama to just not stop at all. And, you know, they they only scored 17 points in the second half, but they, they really didn't need the 17 points. I mean, they, the game was over. If you look at it, game was over at halftime if they don't score the rest of the game they win 35 24 so you know when the game's pretty much over by halftime and you're, you're giving Alabama a chance to go by three possessions to start going into the third quarter I mean you're just playing with fire at that point because Ohio State obviously didn't have the same offensive power that Alabama had and I totally agree with you um, I think that guy from Clemson Southie's hit really had a lasting impact on fields um, you know, you, you, you know, as a pitcher that you get hit in the head or something with a throw or like in the back, you know, you're going to, well, maybe you'll go to the hospital, but you know, maybe you'll, uh, maybe you'll come back up and you, you got that like adrenaline in you now, like you want to win the game. Um, and I think, I think there was more, more there 
than what we were led to believe with Justin Fields. Um, I think he, I think he suffered a, a bigger injury than what was reported. And I find it very interesting that he has not declared for the draft yet. I, I find that very interesting because we had Trevor declare and we had, I, I'm pretty sure like four Alabama players declared like the next day. Yeah. Um, honestly, you, dude, I, I could see Justin Fields going back. Yeah. To when, be potentially a number one overall pick next year. You know, when I look at the college football playoff, would you, and we've seen some really good teams. Like we we've seen we've seen Joe Burrow and LSU last year, we saw obviously Alabama and Mac Jones, Najee and, and, and Devontae Smith this year. We saw Trevor Lawrence's freshman year when, when everybody thought, hey, he just beat Alabama by thirty some odd points. Would you say this Alabama team is the best all around team that we've seen since the college football playoff era? Is this the best team, or do you think? In previous years, there's been a better one. Because I mean, don't get me wrong. We've seen Alabama. Te- we've seen an Alabama team with Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake and and all those guys in the same team. And look where they're at, you know. And the teams that they were playing was somebody like Clemson, who had Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams and guys like that. You know, do you think this is the best all-around Alabama team that we've seen? And usually. <clears throat> Alabama always uses, has to seem like the, they have these gap years at quarterback, right? Like you used to like AJ McCarron, right? Or even this year, Mac Jones. Nobody was going into this year thinking, oh, Mac Jones is going to be a Heisman finalist, right? No, Mac Jones is going to be more of the type of guy that has been in the system for three years behind really good quarterbacks in Tua and Jalen Hurts. And hey, here's his, here's his swan song, really, right? With his uh, going into the draft. And he has an unbelievable year. In your opinion, do you think this Alabama team is the best team that we've seen in the college football playoff era? Um, I will answer this one first because I believe you asked this one first. Uh, you asked me if this is the best Alabama football team we've seen in the college football playoffs because, you know, they've been in it pretty much every year. Um, I would say, yeah, this is probably the best Alabama football team. I would not say overall, like all-around football team. I would say – you know, everybody says, oh, they got a good defense. They got a good defense. Well, defense doesn't always score your points. And, you know, it's cool to see, you know, Aaron Donald, you know, tearing it up on the field. But, you know, the Rams went home. You know, defense isn't going to win your games. You just need to score points on offense. And I, I dude, <clears throat> for me, I think it went, you know, I, I, to this day, even after watching the game on Monday, I think that LSU team from last year is probably the best offensive team we've ever seen in the college football playoff. And I think this Alabama team is a close second. And in a game between those two, I'd probably take LSU, honestly. All right. So tra- transitioning, and I know we just talked about it with Justin Fields, assuming that he does declare, looking at Justin Fields and now looking at Urban Meyer, and I, I, this is a really interesting point, and I know a lot of people are talking about it. Really before the draft, there really was no debate on – if Trevor Lawrence was going to be one or two and and Justin Fields was going to be one. Now it's open for discussion a little bit more, right? And a guy like Urban Meyer, that's now the Jaguars head coach, who, mind you, the ego is the size of the stadium, right? Urban Meyer recruited Justin Fields, right? And is 
this the time where Urban Meyer says, hey, I know this guy. This is the guy I can build a system around. I don't know Trevor Lawrence. I've coached against Trevor Lawrence, right? Do you think there's a – I mean, obviously it's open for discussion, but do you think there's actually a legitimate chance now that Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars that Trevor Lawrence gets passed up on strictly because Justin Fields is in this draft class? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't think it's even, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't, Trevor is something you, but you can't pass up on. And a team like Jacksonville, who I can't even tell you who the last quarterback was that was remotely successful. Um, they're not going to pass up on Trevor. I think it's going to be very interesting to see a Trevor and Urban Meyer, uh, partnership. Um, but you know, I, I, I know, you know, that a lot of people have been talking about Justin Fields, Urban Meyer, the Ohio State connection. Um, I, I'm still very optimistic. I think, I, I personally, dude, I think that Justin Fields is returning for another year. I really do. I, 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 think, it, I think it's weird that he hasn't declared yet. And I think he wants to go back out there and show that, you know, Ohio State's a legit program. They can win a natty. And I, I, I'll be very... Because honestly, dude, he wasn't that impressive this year. You know, he had a good game against Clemson, but that was really it. I, you know, I against Northwestern, he looked like crap, and against Alabama, he, like you said, he didn't. It looked like he was playing safe. Um, I, I'll be very interested to see. I don't. I honestly will be surprised if he goes top three. Hot take by Patsy Ice. All righty, we're gonna go into the NFL. Uh, obviously, we had the. The divisional rounds this weekend had some really good games. Uh, both both conference both conferences produced some really good games, and we're we're gonna go through them. We're gonna go Packers Rams first. Uh, we're just gonna go right through the list. Packers went at thirty two eighteen at home. Are gonna now host the NFC Championship game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we talked about last week. And I made the point, hey, yeah, I understand that the Saints are good, right? And matchup to matchup have a, the better skill players. But again, like I said, it's still Tom Brady, right? And we'll talk about the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship before we, before we go. But we're just going to break these games down. Aaron Rodgers, 23 for 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones carries the ball 14 times, 99 yards, one touchdown. And Lazard leads receiving with four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. So looking at the number one offense, right, or excuse me, defense with the Rams, the number one offense came through. And I contribute the loss, not so much that the Rams weren't able to stop Aaron Rodgers, more to the fact that they weren't able to really win the ground game where they should have won. And I, if LA was able to keep the ball and have long possessions, their defense was going to win them that game. Unfortunately for the Rams, that wasn't able to happen. Green Bay had the ball too many times and put themselves in too many positions to score a lot and, a score, and score quickly. L.A. failed to be able to control the ground game, which they were able to control against Seattle. That game, 
went by like in a flash. And that's mostly due to the fact that their defense was hardly ever on the field because their offense was just piecing it down the field, piecing it down the field. That really didn't happen with the Rams. Early it looked like they had that type of game plan. And then Aaron Rodgers just kind of said, yeah, that's not going to happen. And with Green Bay's defense, where it's kind of been eh, just okay, L.A. really wasn't able to take advantage of that. And that's why I think going in the NFC Championship game, that's going to be a really interesting spot because Tom Brady's offense today, it wasn't at its best, but it was good enough to beat the Saints, which should have had a better offense than the Buccaneers, especially at home and what they've shown in the last two games against them. But looking back at this game, like I said, early, it looked like the Rams were going to at least make it a ball game, and it never really happened. So, Pat, looking going into the NFC Championship game with the Packers, obviously the Packers have the number one offense stat-wise, but looking at what Tampa Bay did today, do you think this is going to be a shootout between Tampa and Green Bay where it's just going to be, oh, Brady just scored. Oh, Rodgers just scored. Brady just scored. And the last person to have the ball wins? Or is somebody's defense going to actually be able to step up? Where I think today, holding the Saints to 20 points at home looked really good, right? Now, with all that being said, Pat, with the weather being a factor as well, yes, I understand Tom Brady played in New England for many, many years, right? And he's used to that type of weather. Outside of that, I mean, yeah, you got Gronkowski as well who's used to that. With them being a fair-weather team, is that going to be a big factor in the NFC Championship? Is that going to affect Tom Brady's offense in the NFC Championship? Because if it does, I feel like that's an easy win for the Packers. Whose offense outperforms, or do you think it's the defense that wins the battle in the NFC Championship game? Uh, Truthfully, man, I think we're going to see a similar game to what we saw today between the Saints and and the Bucks. Um, the, the Packers defense has really been stepping up the past, you know, I would say last quarter of the season, you know, their first game. They looked, they actually looked pretty decent on defense in this game. You know, they only gave up 18 points and they just looked good. Um, I think we can expect to see a lot of what happened in that Saints and Bucks game, except I think maybe less field goals and more execution. So probably a higher scoring game, I would say. Um, you know, I think, I think the Packers are really good at, especially because Rodgers, I feel like he's their quarterback at punching things. in. I don't think they like field goals, uh, you know, I, especially with the, how the weather is supposed to be like next week, it's supposed to snow and be cold. Um, and that's, you know, that's a week out forecast, so it could always change, but if it's going to be snowing and cold, you know, you don't really want to kick a field goal unless you absolutely have to. Um, I think we're going to see. I, you know, it's hard for me to say like, oh no, I don't like Rodgers, but like, I think, you know, if you put Rodgers in New Orleans today, you know, those, they, they don't kick two field goals in the first quarter. They at least score a touchdown. Um, and that's what I think will be the difference next week is I don't think the, I don't think the Packers are going to settle for field goals. I, they're going to settle for touchdowns. And I, I think Brady will have an easier time with that Green Bay defense, but I am very interested to see what Green Bay does because, you know, these two teams played 
10 weeks ago and what what opened is Green Bay being up 10 nothing they lost 35 to 10. You know, it's interesting that you um, bring up the the field goals because I feel like what hurt the Saints and we'll kind of work our way into that game as well staying in the NFC before we go on to the AFC. What I think hurt the Saints early in that game was the failure in the red zone. And I mean they had a very well, very good chance of that being game instead of being it where it was 14 nothing, right? Instead of the six nothing that it was. And that allowed Tom and the Bucks to then score 10 unanswered points, right? And outside of that play with Jameis Winston going into the half, they didn't really have much going there, right? And so I think with the Saints, and, and, and it's, it, it, it's tough because the Saints, I don't know what it is, why they can play so good in the regular season and then come to the playoffs year in and year out. And I know not all of it is their fault. They've obviously had some rough calls against them or just some plays that are one in a million. But there's none of that this year, right? They had all the pieces. There was no referee mistake. There was no Minneapolis miracle. That didn't happen. None of that happened. They were unable to move the ball downfield. And what I didn't understand today is why did they get away from Alvin Kamara? Right? I understand he, he had a kind of a slow start. I mean, he, ended, he ended up with 18 carries and, and 85 yards. But when you have when, when when they're coming out of the locker room, right, and in the third quarter, at a, with a tie game, I think right there your best route is to try to pound and ground and open up Alvin Kamara. He is your guy. Drew Brees is not the quarterback anymore where he's going to be able to, and I remember seeing it all the time, especially as a Falcons fan, 10 years ago, whatever it was, right, watching Monday Night Football. The Falcons could be up 10 points and there's two minutes left in the game and find a way to lose, right? That was the old Drew Brees. We don't have that Drew Brees anymore, right? And that's why it was probably his last game because he knows this is probably his time, right? They got away from what they do. And I don't know if that's, them as a unit or if that's Sean Payton's problem or what's going on in New Orleans, but it's got to change. New Orleans has the talent at every single position. I mean, look, they have one of the best wide receivers in Michael Thomas. They have one of the best running backs in the league with Alvin Kamara. They have one of the best defensive linemen with Cameron Jordan. Why can they not win? And then look at their secondary with Lattimore and everybody else. Why can't they win in the postseason? I don't understand it. But looking ahead in the NFC Championship game, I think the key is, is one, and this is what we said in, in, in last week's podcast with the Bills game, is who can get off to a fast start. Now, in that game with the Ravens, a fast start was a 3 nothing lead, Right. And, but that was good enough for them. The Bills figured out a way to play zone. And again, we'll get into that later. The Bills figured out a way to play zone after really that first drive where Lamar works it all the way down the field. And they, since that point, the Ravens had no clue. But again, going back to the NFC, I think it's going to be, I know it's the tale of both quarterbacks. I understand that. But it's, but it's going to be the game where whoever can get the lead can control the ground. And I know that Tampa Bay is a little bit banged up on the ground, but they looked 
plenty fine today. If the Green Bay gets a lead, there's no need to just pass, 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 pass. Stopping the clock, giving Tom Brady the ball back with all the weapons he has around him, there's no re- reason to do that. Whoever can watch, whoever control, controls the ground game is going to win the NFC Championship. And that's, and that's how it's going to go. But I think it might be a little bit different in the AFC, and we'll come right back. After this short word, we'll go right into the AFC Championship game and close out our show. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Blake here. I want you to go check out Aries Fitness, A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O.com. It's got everything you need for the gym, shirts, sweatshirts, sweatpants, shorts, anything you need and look good doing it. Make sure you go check them out. Aries Fitness, again, you can follow them on Instagram, A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O, or you can find them online, A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O.com. Make sure you go check them out. Tell them Blake sent you. All right, guys, so let's talk about the AFC divisional round two very good games between the chiefs and the browns and then the bills and the ravens we'll start with the saturday night game between the bills and the ravens a game that a lot of people i think could have ultimately ended up in an upset depending on how lamar jackson was able to play and if they could have really thrown the ball and at at all times in the game they really failed to muster that exactly right and i knew that was going to be an issue especially with lamar who traditionally obviously is a running quarterback that's what he is he was able to get his 14 completions mostly by scrambling out of the pocket and he got some good chunk plays out of it where he was able to go down the field and make it what looked like it was going to be a close game really up until that interception to open up the third quarter and I think Obvious. I mean, obviously, yes, that was that was the game changer right there. After that, it was kind of the air out of the balloon for the Ravens. And then you had Lamar getting getting hurt in the end zone, which almost turned into a safety. He he didn't come back the rest of the game due to concussion protocol. But Buffalo Bills, man, fire me up. I love Buffalo. Okay. Nobody, nobody, okay, well, unless they don't have Patrick Mahomes next week, then it's my, then it could be a little different. I still think not a lot of people are, are giving this team a chance with going into Kansas City and playing next week. I am guaranteeing a Buffalo win. Guaranteeing it. Whether Mahomes plays or not, this team is destined to at least make the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win it because I think whoever comes out of the NFC is going to be a very good team. I'm guaranteeing a Buffalo AFC championship. And I know my, my, my producer, Michael, is listening to me right now. And I know he's probably thinking in the back of his head, well, I don't know. But he's also been like this the, the, entire, the entire way through with Buffalo. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Because when it comes to like a team like Clemson basketball, when, when I think they're going to be good, they just – right? And they don't really do anything. So, Pat, looking at that Bills game, right, against Baltimore, obviously we talked about how, and like I just mentioned, Lamar Jackson was going to have to throw the ball. And he wasn't, he was not going to beat Josh Allen's yardage. That just, that wasn't going to happen, right? But we also said that he was going to have, for what he wasn't going to be able to do in the air, he was going to have to be able to make it up on the ground. 
the whole game, Buffalo was just sitting in zone, waiting for him to see where he was going. Again, outside of the first drive, when they were actually able to, to drive the ball down the field pretty well with, with Edwards and, and Jackson together. But that really didn't continue after, I'll, I'll say after the first quarter. Maybe they, 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 they controlled their offense fairly well throughout the first quarter. But after that, Buffalo said, okay, here's what we need to do. They looked really good on the line. They stacked their line and were still able to keep their linebackers in a position to where if, if Lamar had a rollout and or throw the ball, really not much happened there, right? And after that pick, right, I, I remember I was looking at the ESPN thing, how they do like the winning percentage and like where the team is. They were at a 67, the Bills were at a 67, 67 somewhere in there, percentage of winning that game. As soon as that pick happened, it went straight to 98%. Total turnaround. And then it really didn't jump back up. I think it went as high as it was 96 after that. So going over to you, Pat, why was Buffalo, I mean, Lamar in the Tennessee game was pretty much able to run the ball the entire game. Obviously broke off that one where it was like a 50-yard touchdown run that helped Baltimore come back in the game. What did Buffalo do differently that was able to stop Lamar Jackson? And, and really, I mean, they, they held him under 40 yards rushing, right? Edwards led the team with 10 carries and 42 yards. Why was Buffalo able to stop that so well, really, for a team that has just been okay on the rush defense all year? Uh, what Buffalo did, you know, after that first drive was they started to blitz and collapse the pocket in on Lamar so he couldn't escape. They were, I think I saw a stat during the game that, you know, Buffalo was blitzing on, I think it was right around 50% of the plays. Um, and we saw that really affected Lamar because they weren't leaving holes for him to escape out of. They were making him stay in the pocket and, uh, you know, take, take the running element out of the game and make him go to, I wouldn't even say his second quality. I would just say, you know, the next thing he could possibly do would be throw the ball, which we saw is not, you know, it's not a strong suit. But Buffalo looked good, dude. I mean, they made their adjustments. They gave up three freaking points in the whole game, you know. And uh, I think I think a lot of people were – I think a lot of people thought the Bills kind of got off to that slow start again like they did against Indianapolis. Um, but, dude, the Bills just keep finding a way, man. They just keep finding a way, finding a way, and they're not – I don't want to say they're like they're like Alabama, they're going to outscore you, but, I mean, essentially that's what they're doing. You know, they're just putting up points and making stops on defense right now. I, I Going through, you know, with the teams left in the playoffs, I think they're the most complete team uh, on both offensive and defensive uh, sides of the ball. And, honestly, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards their defense because their defense has looked good in two games and you know I feel like their offense if they get down they're gonna they'll be fine um but needless to say dude I've been really impressed by the Bills and I think they're gonna go pretty far I I, I think they I think they've got a pretty good chance of upsetting the uh Chiefs next week yeah and you know looking at the Bills schedule if the Hale Murray doesn't happen in Arizona which was just a freak play right their last loss comes to Kansas City 
That's who their other loss was this season. Now, looking back at that game, Patrick, I mean, the the Chiefs won 26-17, right? At halftime, it was 13-10 Chiefs. Tight game. Mahomes went 21 for 26, 225 yards passing and two touchdowns. And then Hilaire had 26 carries for 161 yards. So Buffalo really wasn't able to stop them at all on defense. But that was week six Buffalo, right? Now we're in the AFC championship game where since that game, again, outside, outside of the, the, Arizona, the Arizona game, outside of that game, their defenses look really good and their offenses look really strong. And in that game, Josh Allen only completed 14 passes and still scored 17 points. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. 14 passes, 17 points, throws for two touchdowns and one interception. Now, I know this game was in Buffalo, so it's a little different to what they're going to see in, in Kansas City. Even though it's, it's, yeah, I understand they're playing on the road. That's going to have an effect. The cold shouldn't affect them at all. Limited attendance. So these guys have obviously played in much bigger environments. So I, I don't see that being much of an issue. They almost had to play. The Chiefs played almost a perfect game and still only won by nine points. Now, I understand nine points is a lot in the NFL. It's a lot a lot of points in college, right? But the way Buffalo played, I mean, Josh, Josh Allen had eight carries for 42 yards and led them in rushing that week. Okay. And now, looking at what happened to Mahomes today, yeah, I know – I know that uh, Andy Reid came out and said that, oh, he just got a little dazed. He's fine now. He's doing great, right? When Patrick Mahomes came up from that hit, he looked like he was in Looney Tunes. His eyes were so glossy, and the way he was looking at things, I don't think he knew where he was at. And what they keep on saying is that it was a concussion, at no point in that hit did it really look like he slammed his head on the ground or anything like that. I think this is a very severe neck injury. I, I don't think that has anything to do with him getting kind of just rocked because that didn't really happen. His neck gets put in a really weird position to where, I, I mean, again, I, I don't want to put anything out there because that's, I'm not, I'm, it's not like I'm hoping for that. Please don't take it that way. I'm, that's not what I'm saying or, or speculating what it may be. But at, at no point in that part did I actually think he got his head pounded into anything that would have caused a concussion. Now, obviously, the TV doesn't show you everything, so it's, it, it, it could have been completely different of what we saw on, on national television. But when they slowed it down, it did not look like that. and looked like a, a severe neck injury. So looking ahead at the AFC game with the Chiefs and the Browns, the Chiefs kind of after Mahomes left the game and even really right before it, the Chiefs kept letting the Browns stay around and stay around and stay around. And when you allow teams to do that, it usually comes back and bites you, right? And you see it, you see it week in and week out in the NFL where teams got a 10-point lead 14-point lead going in the fourth quarter, and then they changed their whole offense and whole defense. And I've said this forever, and again, I'm not, I'm not a football genius by any means, 
But I'll tell you, when I have a 10-point lead in Madden, I'm not playing three-man deep every five seconds. I'm still playing blitz, <laughs> right? And, it, it, I mean, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But why change something that the whole game has been working for you and just throw it out the window? Yeah, I know there's, there's different schemes where you want to try to keep guys in bounds and stuff like that to let the clock run and, and try to work the math part of the game. But not to where these teams are driving down the field and – 40 seconds scoring a touchdown, you know, there's no need to change that. I thought Cleveland looked a lot this season, looked a lot like Buffalo looked like last year. And I think they're one or two pieces away. And I think that could either be on the offensive or defensive side. I think they're one or two pieces away from being an AFC powerhouse. And they've built this thing from the ground up, right? They've been through quarterback after quarterback. And think about this, Pat. If the Browns haven't, didn't, didn't spend millions of dollars on draft picks for QBs that, have, that just did not do anything, right? I remember how excited people were when Johnny Manziel came out, right? The Browns got Johnny Manziel, right? And now Johnny Manziel's playing in a football league where somehow the fans can pick plays, <laughs> right? So – Imagine if the Browns had passed up on all those quarterbacks and, and stayed with somebody like Hoyer, right? Or McCown or somebody like that, that was not going to win them football games, but it wasn't guaranteed that these other draft picks were going to win them football games either. Imagine if those guys, and they had a better scouting headquarters and, and they went after like key wide receivers or key defensive linemen or whatever, right? And just stayed off the quarterback. Imagine the talent they would have next to somebody like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. I mean, that's a pretty solid squad, right? If they were to happen to pick up somebody like one of those guys, and I know Vision's 2020 when you look at it this way, but look how different that team could be. And that's kind of what Kansas City did. Kansas City didn't rush. Remember how, remember how bad Kansas City was five, six years ago? Kansas City didn't rush to get a quarterback right away. They held on with really like a third-tier quarterback and drafted guys that turned out to be unreal, right? And complement that with a running back that's going to be really good was Clyde, Clyde edwards Lair, and they just keep building and building and building and then get free agent pieces like Tyron Matthew, right? He wasn't happy where he was. He said, you know what? I want to go win a Super Bowl. I'm going to go there. They get Le'Veon Bell who's been oddly quiet, right? Le'Veon Bell, two or three years ago, was a top rusher in the league. And the way they were, the way the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to control their cap and everything else like that and still get the players they get and have the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes, it's fairly amazing. So let's look at the AFC Championship game, Pat. Unless, do you have anything you want to put, put on with the Browns game? Do you have anything you need to say? No, man, you nailed it. <laughs> I know. I normally do. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So let's look at the AFC championship game. And I think this is gonna, this is our primetime game on sat, on Sunday. Excuse me. This game, I think, produces your Super Bowl champion, whoever comes out of it. We don't know a lot with the status of where Patrick Mahomes is right now. 
because that's going to be a big difference, obviously, right off the bat. Assuming he plays, and I, I would say unless he's severely injured, he's going to play. He's going to find a way to play the game. With that being said, do you think the Bills have what it takes to make that next step, right? I get it. They beat, they beat the Colts, a team they should beat. They beat the Ravens, a game that should have been close, but should have beat, and they beat both of them, okay? Now comes the real challenge. The best team in the NFL the last few years in the, in the Kansas City Chiefs, not a game, well, I wouldn't say not a game that they should win, but a game that can go back and forth, right? And then they're not granted to win. A game that if they show up and win, the Bills have arrived. And then if I, th- I think if they make the Super Bowl, it's going to be a really good game. Depending on who they play between the Packers and, and Tom Brady, then you go with that debate from there. What do the Bills need to do to finally get that, that mm, like get that step out over the, over the edge and beat a team like Kansas City that has legitimately only lost one time this season? They, you know, I think it's going to come down to the Bills doing what they did against Lamar uh, on the defensive side. I'm not talking about, you know, keeping Mahomes from running the ball. I'm talking about their defense just taking the offense completely out of the game. Um, and then I think it's going to come also come down to their offense being able to put up points consistently and putting the pressure on the team that is traditionally scores a lot of points. I think you want you want to you don't want to get you don't want to get into a a match a shootout that's the word I was looking for you don't want to get into a shootout with the Chiefs especially in Kansas City um, you're just you know when that happens you're just asking for trouble now with that being said if the Bills defense shows up like they did against Baltimore man I think we're gonna have a game that was just like, um, you know, the Raiders and Chiefs earlier in the year. That can, you know, that could be a game. It, it could come down to, honestly, who has the ball last. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs, it, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs until, you know, somebody beats them. Um, I think the Browns pose a lot of good challenges for the Chiefs. But ultimately, I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs on this until the Bills proved me wrong. So who give me your early Super Bowl matchup? Who you got? I got Chiefs and Packers. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the way probably most people are gonna go. I I've just I've been so high on Buffalo really since that loss against Kansas City, when I thought the whole game they looked fairly decent and didn't really play their best game. The way Buffalo really can just overtake a game, and even when they're not playing their best, can still figure out a way to win. To win, I've seen that year and years over and over with, especially with the way Clemson has been playing. I'll, I'll kind of take a college route with this. I've seen Clemson look horrible, right, and still try to figure out ways to win. The Bills are that type of team this year where so many things can be going wrong, and they still figure out a way in the end. And that's a sign of an extremely dangerous team, and I think the Bills have that. My Super Bowl right now is Bills and Packers. I agree with you on the Packers. I think this was a really good playoff run for Brady's first year in Tampa. And 
I think that's going to be a closer game than most people will expect. I think most people will assume that the Packers will pretty much have their way um, as long as their defense doesn't implode. Uh, I understand they looked good against the Saints tonight, but what I, where I don't want people to get too high on them is look at the Ravens and how people were super high on the Ravens after, the, after their win against Tennessee. And then everybody was, oh, Lamar Jackson's good, and the Ravens are really good, and that offense is going to be able to beat the Bills. No, that didn't happen. You got to be able to see through that. And, and I think that's what I'm what I'm seeing going into this game. I was I was I really liked the Buccaneers going into that Saints game. I think that, I think that was a good matchup for them, playing them a third time. Where, yeah, I, I take that into consideration a little bit, and I also don't because usually, I mean, if you're the better team, you can win the game three times in a row. We've seen that plenty of times, right? I think going into that game, you got two very good quarterbacks. The cold theme is a little bit off the table now that it's Tom Brady and not Drew Brees. But I think in the end, as long as, like I said, the Packers defense doesn't implode, they should be able to win the game. Going into the, going in blind really against the chiefs, not knowing whether Mahomes is going to be in or not, assuming that he is, I still think that it's Buffalo's year. I think everything that has gone right for that team, I think they look really good. I compare, like I said, I compare them to the Atlanta Falcons when, when, when they, when they went to the Super Bowl in 2017 with the offense that they have, it shows pretty much the same thing. The running game looks exactly the same. That was Devonte Freeman in his prime, right? Look, look at Singletary and look at those guys. They, they're pretty comparable to what they are. And then you're looking at, you're looking at the wide receiving core. Obviously that year, they had Julio Jones, which nobody's going to match up with Julio Jones. Their best receiver, I, I would say, arguably, is Stefan Diggs. But then they have the depth there in Buffalo as well with Cole Beasley and, and Knox and other guys like that that they, have, that they have all over the field. Now, I understand Kansas City is diverse in that fact, too. I just think right now, looking at the defenses, the Bills have a better defense. And, and I don't think Kansas City has seen that type of opponent where I mean they struggled against the Browns today. Where don't get me wrong, Baker Mayfield's good, but doesn't have the arm strength and, and the accuracy and really just the football IQ that Josh Allen has or has shown lately. Right, going into this game, the Chiefs aren't playing their best football, and the Bills are. That's my that's my dying point with the Bills. So we're gonna I'd wrap. Have to this, agree with you there. Right. It, it, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up with Drew Brees and what we think is his future. He lost today, and, and I know a lot has been going on in his career lately, especially with everything that's been going on in the world and, and his football career and his age and everything else and his family and, and everything that he's done for football. Do you think we saw Drew Brees' last snap, not only at home in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, but his last snap in the NFL? Yeah, I you know, I think he's done, man. I, I... – you know, you look at the game tonight, he didn't even attempt to throw a ball over 20 yards tonight, man. Uh, you know, they had to bring in Jameis Winston, eat the dub. And, you know, he 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 had one of two passes that went above 20 yards. Um, I And you kind of saw at the end of the game, I don't know if you saw, but they Brees kind of handled handed the mantle to Jameis, it looked like. I, it kind of looked like he said, hey, this is your team now. 
And I, I think Breeze is, what's the word? I think he's, I think he's happy with his career accomplishments. Obviously, I think he wanted to end with the Super Bowl, but I think him losing in the Superdome for his last game, you know, I don't think obviously a win would have been better, but I don't think he could write a better ending for him. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those quarterbacks that are always going to be remembered. He's going to be a hall of fame guy. Just looking at what he did on the field and what he did for football and it's in, in all, he was just one of those guys where you would, and he was one of the quarterbacks that I remember. Like I was, I was a huge Brett Favre fan and I, I loved watching Brett Favre play football. He's like, I feel like Drew Brees is like another one of those guys where I got to watch pretty much since I started watching football at, I don't know, seven years old, right? He was one of those guys you would watch on the weekend every single weekend and just be like, wow, right? He overtook the game. He's an unbelievable talent. And again, I'm a Falcons fan. So I've been burnt by him by many, many years. And I, I understand that. And I think... I've, I know I've done this in my career a few times. I don't know if you saw this, Pat, but at the end of the game, he, he, as he's walking into the tunnel, he turns around and kind of looks at Mercedes-Benz Superdome and looks at the field and everything as if that was like his last kind of like mental picture of walking off the field one last time. And I think that little image right there kind of told me he's done, you know, and Again, just looking at him through the years and, and being able to watch him play, and, and, and he, he's one of the greats. You know, he's always going to be that. He I, he won a Super Bowl in his career. Obviously, a bunch of people probably thought he was going to win more than just one. I'm glad he got one. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's I think this is his end, and this is kind of that was his last game. I think he's content with the way he went out because I think this was, I think he was going to really be done last year. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it one more shot. You know, I think he wanted to go out of the playoffs on his own terms. You know, I think the unfortunate fact for Drew Brees is he just got unlucky in the last few years. They had the teams in the last few years to win a Super Bowl, and it just didn't happen. And that's life. I mean, I mean, you, you look at the quarterbacks that never won a Super Bowl that were the greatest of all time. You know, it happens. Drew Brees won a Super Bowl. It's not just the quarterback, right? And, and again, what I kind of sign off on, on Drew Brees is that he lost his last game to Tom Brady. He played against a guy that's also one of the greats. That's, he, he's always going to go out saying, my last game was against Tom. You know, and it wouldn't shock me. And I know Tom Brady always says, oh, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. If Tom wins one this year, that also wouldn't shock me if he decides to hang him up. Because I think he knows in the back of his mind, Tampa's a good football team. But if they win one, if Tampa wins one this year, do I really see them coming back and winning one back to back or winning one in the next few years? No, not really. You know, unless something dramatically changes there, it wouldn't shock me to see if they win this year that he calls it a day. Now looking at Aaron Rodgers, I still think he has a few more years. So if he wins one, I, I he comes back, but in all, 
I, it was a very enjoyable game. It was fun to watch Drew Brees and, and Tom Brady kind of battle it out one last time, even though you never really got to see that matchup with Tom being in the AFC his whole career. It was really cool to see that in, in the in the playoffs. And um, I think now, obviously, Drew has – he's going to NBC Sports when he's done. So he's got a broadcasting job with them. He'll be, he'll still be in the game. He'll be content with it. I, he coaches his son with football and everything else like that. And it's going to be interesting to see where New Orleans goes on with it um, because all they've known is Drew Brees, Drew Brees, Drew Brees. I don't know if Jameis Winston is their guy or if they go after somebody like Deshaun Watson or maybe try to get somebody trade up and get somebody in the draft. But right now I think New Orleans is kind of like in a weird spot of where their, where their future is and where really where the NFC South is, because you look at looking at the quarterbacks in the NFC South. Okay. You have Tom Brady, you never really know when he's going to keep going, when he's going to be done, whatever that may be. Okay. So that's one you have Drew Brees who after today is most likely done. Then you go to Carolina where you have Teddy Bridgewater where, okay. Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He's not the elite talent in the NFL. And then you have Matt Ryan, who's pretty much at the end of his career, pretty soon too, who had a pretty good career, but it's really time for him to move on and, and, and kind of be a, a back nine. Well, not really a back nine, but the last three holes of his career at, in somewhere like maybe New York or some, somewhere like that. Right. So the, the quarterback dilemma in the NFC South and, and really where that those teams are going is going to be really interesting to see in the off season. But Right now, we're focused on where this NFL season is going, and I think next weekend has a great chance to be two very good games and a Super Bowl matchup that I think would be really cool to see. And we now we're getting the two younger quarterbacks in Allen and Mahomes versus uh, Rodgers and Brady, and bringing one of the bringing the new school to the old school, and that's that that's going to be really cool to watch. Yeah, dude, I think, you know, I think this this coming weekend with championship weekend, I think we're going to see something really unique. I think we're going to kind of see a passing of the torch. You know, you're going to have Breeze and Brady in one who have been the two most dominant quarterbacks probably in the NFL the past 15 years. Rodgers and Brady. And you, Rodgers and Brady, whatever. And then you got, you know, you got Allen and Mahomes who have been Allen more so this year just kind of got hot, but Mahomes, who's been probably honestly the best quarterback in the league the past two years. And I think you're going to see like what the league has been on the NFC side and what the league is transcending into on the AFC side and what these guys on the AFC side are hoping to build up to, to what those two quarterbacks are playing like on the NFC side. I think this weekend is going to be awesome for football, man. I'm hoping both games are, you know, good games. Both teams are competitive. Um, I, I just th- I think it's going to be really awesome, you know, to watch the two older guys play and the two younger guys play and just, you know, see see what they do differently and what they do similarly. Yeah, I, again, like I said, both sides, whoever, whoever we see in the Super Bowl, whether it's whoever it is, right, it's going to be a really good game. Like we said in the previous shows, the AFC playoffs have just been unreal, right? And we find, I think we're going to finally see 
the NFC game be probably the best game we saw in the entire playoffs. But whoever comes out of it, what, like I said, Kansas City, Buffalo, or, or Green Bay and, and Tampa, which will be interesting because if Tampa comes out, they're playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. Which First time ever, right? Which would be great. Yeah. yeah, yep. It would be kind of cool to see. Um, I don't know if the NFL really wants that, but oh well. But with that said, we hope you enjoyed our episode. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk a little hockey because we're finally getting in the swing of things with that. We'll wrap up what happened in the NFC-AFC championship games, and we'll preview our Super Bowl. We'll look ahead at the canceled Pro Bowl, which will be played on Madden instead, and a few other topics as well. So for me, Pat and Mike, we're signing off, and we'll see you soon. Again, I hope you enjoyed the show. Anything you have questions-wise, make sure you follow our Instagram at the Battery underscore podcast. If you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, make sure you hit that up at bcat702. Pat, go ahead, plug your plug your Instagram, and Mike, follow, plug yours in as well. All right. I guess you guys can follow me. Uh, it's at patrickarnt underscore 72. Be there, be square, baby. And follow me at uh, mibaseball705. Uh, I am on. I am a private account, so just be patient. I will accept you uh, eventually. All righty, guys. I or, hope you enjoy or not. the show. <laughs> I will. I, I hope you enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Signing off for now. Yeah.